0: TTM Cast one-on-one with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one-on-one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by Gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit Gemrate.com, it's free. Sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and valuing your cards. Use the app to build your collection and buy and sell with other collectors. Turn the hobby into your side hustle. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker.
1: hello everybody and welcome to ttm cast one-on-one your interview show right it's our interview show every wednesday we do a show uh for TTMcast 101, we call it. It is an interview show. My name is Jeff Baker. I am talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm the host of this fine, fine show. And I couldn't do this program without my friend and co-host from Arlington, Texas. His name is Drew Pelto. He is DFW Graffer on YouTube, on Instagram, everywhere, on Twitter. I don't even call it Twitter anymore. What is it? Sex, right? Nah, I still go Twitter. I know. I do, too. It's kind of <laughs> like the Indians and the Indians and the Guardians, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the difference there is, I mean, at least guardians it was kind of a it was a legit name change whereas you know going from twitter to x is just a petulant billionaire throwing a fit so i i kind of i i try i try not to cater to those types we are in mid-september
1: the month month is just flying by uh got a fun show for you today you know what i i I don't think we've done this since we, we started the show drew and i'm talking about replaying an interview and I really thought it was important. Um, I interviewed William Briggs, who was the second all-time career home run leader in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. She played from I think 48 to like 54 or something like that. Uh, and she was an outfielder and uh she was from Rhode Island. And uh, one of one of our listeners, Caleb Craig, he he uh hooked me up with her in terms of giving me her, her contact information. And I feel like I became friends with her over the last year and a half of her life. Uh, she passed away this past week. Um, very sad, very nice, very nice, nice lady. Uh, you know, it was funny when, when I did the interview, Drew, I don't know if you remember, um, she was pissed off because somebody robbed her of a home run back in like 1948. She was, <laughs> she was, she was still very competitive and it, it, it came through in the interview and um, she, you know, she played a, uh, for jimmy fox and she played for uh, max Carey, who We're both hall of famers and she had um she was she was very she had a very historic career and i talked to her for about an hour back in november um so if we um we gave away if you remember drew we gave away like 20 of her autograph cards uh, to yes. our
2: listeners i think you got one did you get one i believe so i i remember getting one of the cards of one of the players and i think it was hers so yeah
1: yeah so Caleb was kind enough to print up some cards for me, and we sent sent them off to her. And I just get, sent her the whole stack, saying, "Why don't you keep them for yourselves and, and just sign a couple and get it back to me?" And we'll she, she she signed all twenty, and we will gladly uh, we got we got to give them away to our, our listeners, which was great. So if there is any mention of uh, register to win free cards or, or register to win autograph cards, those are all gone already guys. All right. So just, just don't worry about that, but it is a really fun interview. Um, it brings, brings back memories uh, of talking to her. It was actually right before her 90th birthday is when I spoke to her, I think a, a week before her 90th birthday, she passed away. She was 92 um, and she was a great lady. And, and I thought it was, it'd be nice to honor her Um because she was so much, she was so full of life, even at the age of 90 and just talking about um, her career and reminiscing about uh, baseball. And she was, she was a huge baseball fan. And uh, I know her, her health was, was really slipping in the last uh, couple months. She was in a assisted living. She'd been out, she'd been living uh, by herself in, in her own, own home for, for all these years. And, uh, and her niece was the one that kind of oversaw and watched her and helped, with the interview but uh just you know i it, it's coming up so we, we'll have an interview with, with Wilma briggs if you if you don't if you listen to it before you know what listen to it again it's it is a fun interview i've never heard it before uh you know very rarely did talk to get to talk, talk to somebody that um touched history right that made history right. and i think wilma was one of those people and uh she was a really fun interview so hopefully you enjoyed that Coming up a little later, guys. I want to remind everyone about our friends at Collects. They're uh, one of our great sponsors, and their marketplace is now open. And Collects is giving ten dollars, ten dollars to every, uh, every TTMcast listener. Anyone that, that has a Collects ID, just send us our your Collects ID. Get a line. Uh, download Collects into your Google uh, Play or your the App Store. Download Collects. It's free. It's a cool app. You can scan cards, scan your find out the uh, the recent comps. And uh it's really it's a really great, fun app. They also have an art marketplace now. Well, you they're gonna give you ten dollars for just doing that. Just send us your collects username and your email address to DTMcast
2: at yahoo.com.
1: And collects will send you to put 10 bucks so that that's an exclusive uh, offer just for TTM cast listeners. So, uh, you know, guys, if you like the show, you know, help us out. Let's show collects the, that we have a lot of listeners that love collects, and now uh, you get 10 bucks for, for just sending us your collects name and your uh e- email address. Okay, that that is it for that. We have one more thing, Drew, before we start getting into some. Uh, some news of yesterday, right? We had, uh, I have two more card cradles to give away. Our friends at Card Cradle um, has give us, gave me a bunch of card cradles to give away. So I have two more card cradles to give away. We're going to give the, these away to uh, next Saturday. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday we'll, we'll make, announce the winners. What you have to do is send me your name and your mailing address. Very important, guys. I can't mail you your prize if you don't send me your mailing address. So I need your name and mailing address to...
2: TTMcast at yahoo.com.
1: Drew's trying to eat breakfast while we do this, so I'm 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 really I'm trying to piss him off. I've seen just as he's about to put a <laughs> spoonful of cereal in his mouth, I'm I, I look I'm looking for Drew to give me give me the email address.
2: I'm timing it just right, right after I say the email address, bam! That's when I go for the. No, no, I know I'm here. watching <laughs> you. I'm
1: trying to I'm trying to bust your your. Uh-huh. I can't do it. All right, guys, card cradle, put in the uh, subject line card cradle. We will give those away next Saturday. I have two of them. So um, don't have to do anything. Just send your name and your mailing address. Mailing address, right, Drew? It's very important on the mailing Mm -hmm. address. And Drew with a mouthful, I'll take it, Drew. I got it. Okay, good. It's ttmcast at yahoo.com. There you go. He's <laughs> professional. We, 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 do, we, we multitask here at, at uh, TTMcast. Sorry right, guys. I went to the Red Sox Yankees game, my second to last game of the season uh, last night. And it was a, it was a second game of a doubleheader. they lost the first game, I think three to two and they lost last night four to one. It was actually a pretty good game. Um, they, you know, they had a lot of the scrubs in, but we did see Judge, Aaron Judge did play. Um, and the Red Sox just couldn't score. They had a lot of guys, a lot of ch- chance to score. Um, but from a collecting standpoint, it was pretty good. Brock Holt was in the Autograph Alley, which is they have the, uh, they bring back old timers to sign. Fred Lynn was there, but I, not in the Autograph Alley, but out in the park. But, uh, obviously he was, we weren't getting Fred Lynn, but we did get Brock Holt. So I got, uh, two cards autographed for me two cards autographed for drew i got an autographed picture for me i got an autographed picture for drew and i got an autographed ball and i got a uh lineup card uh for so uh, true i think i'm going to bring the lineup card to to florida with me and have all the guys that played in the game uh
2: you know for the red sox side try to sign it what do you think yeah that's always a great idea i've seen a lot of people do that with the lineup cards and it always comes out looking really great
1: yeah so i think i think that's the plan but it was really fun brock holt was great uh you know some of the guys are are there and and you can tell they're not too happy to be there but brock holt was really good i mean he's still you know he just retired what last year right you know, two years yeah. ago he's um you know he had there were a lot of people that wanted to autograph he was very he's talking with everyone i got a picture with him so it was um it's one of the nice things that the Red Sox do. I know the Rangers do it as well, right? They have the they have all the the alumni uh, back during the year, and I think they do it. The Red Sox do it like on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. So I've got uh, tickets for the um, Rays and Red Sox in two weeks, but on a Wednesday night. So I'm hoping they they have somebody. They didn't they didn't have anyone set to to uh, be signing, but they have they've had Jim Lomborg, Bill Lee, Oil Cam Boyd, uh, Bob Montgomery um chico walker uh brock holt now so you know that's the kind of guys that they have you know yeah guys, pretty some pretty good guys in there and
2: it's it, it's fun night and i know you 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 get a bunch of t- ranges right when you go i try to yeah because uh they bring them um, the rangers do it uh, kind of the opposite they do it on friday and saturday games which is so weird. they'll have I, mean, I think the red sox figure they're going to sell those out anyway right right <laughs> And I think with the Rangers, it's like if a guy doesn't live right in the area, it's a little easier to travel on a weekend than it is, you know, midweek for guys, because you know, they may have other, you know, business commitments and all that to attend to. But yeah, I mean, we get guys all over that. We might get a guy like, you know, a Danny Darwin, who is, I mean, good pitcher in Rangers history, not exactly an absolute legend or anything like that. Good TTMer, yep. And you might end up getting Ferguson Jenkins out there, you know, Hall of Famer. And you never really know until maybe about a week or two ahead of time who it's going to be, but... Anytime it's somebody I need, I try to get down there for it, and uh, I really need to get my uh, my stuff together here, because I've still got some 11 by 14 photos I printed up years ago for uh, when they used to do the big Alumni Hall of Fame weekend, yep. and they don't do that anymore, and I still have a few photos from that unsigned, so I got to start keeping my eyes out, because I keep on missing Darren Oliver repeatedly at various <laughs> events, and he's been, he's been the killer for me. They're actually doing a watch party on Thursday over in Fort Worth. Darren Oliver's going to be one of the signers there, but... I've got stuff going on Wednesday and Friday and it's my wife's birthday on Thursday. So it's like, I probably should not go and get him at this event. So, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. That would not sit well. I don't think with Jen, I don't yeah. think, honey, I'm going to go get Darren all his autograph on, on your birthday. Is that all right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Paula. we, Paula had tickets and I had tickets for, um, it, for it was a florida marlins we're playing on her birthday and mm-hmm. she really does not enjoy going to the games and she's a trooper and I, I i love that she 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 takes me cuz cuz no one else will mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh we 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 you know she we, we've actually become friendly with the two, the two people the people that sit next to us uh on our season ticket so uh, it, it was kind of neat and this time she was there with her husband it was her her uh uh, the person that sits next was her anniversary first year, year anniversary oh, so paula cool. paula Paul and, and her really had fun and we we had a we had a fun night it was a fun night to go see the game um and you know it's just uh it's the when the weather's nice it's great right if it's yes. cold or if it's disgusting it's it's not it's not the best it's Been nice night but we've had we've had such a rainy summer uh this year and it was they had a. Uh, it was a day and night doubleheader because the Monday game got rained out. And we're like, oh, I, I, you've been to Fenway with Kenmore Square and all the traffic coming in and out. Oh, yeah. We thought it was going to be a nightmare, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. So all, in all it was a great night. And again, we got to see Brock Holt, which was kind of cool. I know you're, you've got a big uh, couple nights in store for you this uh, tonight and right in
2: Friday. Yeah, tonight and Friday, both. So um, I think I mentioned it on last week's show that I was able to get Pearl Jam tickets in Fort Worth. That uh, I've been wanting to see them for years. But uh, okay, so back when I was, like, before I got into college, I lived near Cleveland, and they were playing in Cleveland. But my dad always was like, yeah, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth if you go past Euclid. So I never really got to see any concerts, I <laughs> think, when I was in, in Ohio. Uh, when I got up to Massachusetts they played boston a few times but it was always in the summer when i was back home in ohio so it's like well crap i'm missing out here too so i ended up moving to texas and since i moved to texas i think they played here once in the dallas fort worth area and it was 2013 i just moved to arlington from up in wichita falls and it's like i cannot justify spending you know 100 some dollars on a concert tickets so i'm gonna have to pass on it and 10 years later they finally came through and when i saw the price of the tickets i'm like okay i'm gonna have to miss this one too because there's no way but I just happened to check like about a week or so ago and looked and found a really good seat for Wednesday at a reasonably affordable price. And so I kind of begged my wife. And I said, look, I can work overtime if I need to, to you know, make sure gets paid for. And she's like, all right, fine. Yeah. How terrible would I be if, you know, I said no. And if you're willing to work overtime for this thing, so yeah, go ahead and get your ticket. So got my ticket for uh, Wednesday and it's great. It's straight across the stage. It's almost all the way to the back of the lower level. But still, it is dead center of the stage. So it's like, all right, that's going to be great. You're going to
1: get get a T-shirt or anything?
2: Oh, yeah, T-shirt. They're doing these commemorative license plates for each show. So I'm going to grab probably one for each of the shows if I can. But, uh, yeah, shirt and the license plates. And so, uh, yeah, so I post up on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get to, you know, finally see Pearl Jam and everything. And a friend of mine says, oh, yeah, I'm going to Friday's show. And I'm like, I was hoping to do Friday, but I found this really great ticket for Wednesday. So that's why I did that. And. He messaged me on site. a guy I know from Autograph Stuff, this guy, Sam, that I know up in uh, does all Frisco games. He says, Hey, I might have an extra ticket here if you're interested for Friday. And I'm like, um, Yeah, I can't pay for it right now. But uh, he made me post. It. he's like, Yeah, I've got a couple friends that might want it. But the, the main one I checked in with was totally lukewarm on going. So there's a good chance it's going to be yours. He messaged me the other day, he says, Yeah, tickets all yours if you want it. So I'm going Friday as well. And you think we're they're going to play a different set uh, for each show? they have played a different set for every show on this tour so far. That's what I thought there's, there's only been two songs they've played every single show and maybe like eight songs they played in each city once. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be definitely bearing it up. Quite yeah, I a
1: mean, bit. their catalog is huge, right? They have, yeah. they have so many albums and
2: so many songs that they can play. And, um, I mean they've got I think yeah. ten studio albums plus all sorts of B sides and covers and all that stuff. So yeah. Do
1: you do you do, like you know when you go to a, a football game and as opposed to watching on TV when you're at a football game, you can watch plays develop, you can watch the offensive linemen and you know, do you when you go to a concert, do you like hone in on the drummer and watch what the drummer's doing? Or do you you know, I mean, do you is there mm-hmm. is there something that, that that only Drew Pelto is interested in, but but at, when you go to a concert as opposed to
2: kind of watching something on TV, you know? Yeah, I varied up quite a bit, and it depends on, you know, like, what band it is. Like, for example, um, the first time I saw Guns N' Roses with Buckethead was still with them, and just watching him on the guitar was absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, I was off to the way up high side of the stage, and he was at the opposite end of the stage, so it's like oh,
3: having to, you know, bad. kind
2: of, yeah, kind of get the view on the video board as best I could. But, yeah, Pearl Jam, it's, I mean, Jeff Ament, their bass player, is one of, probably my biggest influence on bass playing, so I'll be paying pretty close attention to him and everything, but... Yeah, just gonna be checking out both of those uh, shows and. You are you
1: can tailgate before you go to the show, or are you just go into the show.
2: I'm uh, probably just gonna go to the show, but they do have they've got a merch truck set up out front that's it's actually gonna be opening about two hours from now. So it's like if I wanted to, I could take half a day off work and go down there. But no, I'm I was gonna go right after work, get down there, try to hit the merch truck early and stuff, and go from there. But. Yeah, that's about it. And we we're actually kind of concerned because their show on uh, this past weekend in Indianapolis got canceled because of illness. Oh no! Didn't say who or what or anything, but they said as of right now, Texas shows are still planned to go off as as planned. And hadn't heard anything. And as of this morning, they posted up the uh merch that they're going to have that's special for the show. So it's like, all right, sounds like it's it's still on then. So
1: yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I went to the Red Sox game last night. Obviously, we we're just talking about that, and we didn't. Yeah. Get, I didn't get home till probably quarter twelve, quarter twelve, maybe eleven thirty, quarter twelve. So I'm dragging a little this morning. I'm not I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. So yep. you, you got a lot you got a late night
2: ahead of you, but it's it's really fun. Is Jen going with you? Or are you going you... No, she's uh she's not a big Pearl Jam fan and doesn't really do well with uh like arena shows or anything. So she's like, No, you go go do your thing there. So cool. Do you know anyone else that's going? Uh, uh I'm trying to think I might have a couple friends that are going that I might run into them out there. But uh, like I said, there's a the guy that got me the Friday tickets. So I'll be hanging out with him at least. There, awesome.
1: So. Well, you have the best time. It's, I'm Definitely. jealous. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun show. Yeah. Um, just so uh, just let's talk one, one quick thing about football and then we'll, we'll, we'll get, get really into the show. Um, what's your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? Oh four, man. Four plays and he's out for the year. Is is there any uh, franchise curse more than, than the, the Jets and don't say the Browns? Don't say, yeah. That. I
2: mean, it's yeah. I mean, the Browns and the Jets are the top two, I think, at this point. I mean, yeah, to have your season end after four snaps well, five snaps, if you include the sound that his Achilles made there, then that's just that's just <laughs> that's terrible luck right wait, there. Wait, wait, my wait, wait. Well, one for Drew, one for Drew. I put that on the, in your side, <laughs> nice, but yeah. I mean, for that to happen so quick, it's like, my god, how when, when are these guys going to catch a break for once? I mean, ever since. It's like, did Joe Namath like sell the team's soul to get a Super yeah. Bowl three or something? not I mean, it? Doesn't it feel like that? Like, it does? Oh my goodness! They,
1: I mean, they won the game. The kid ran back the the punt. Did did you have you watch? Did you watch Hard Knocks at
2: all? No, I didn't.
1: They really they featured him. He was one of the guys. You know how they always pick one or two guys that they kind of fall around <laughs> that might make make the team or not, and he was one of them. And uh, boy, he's fast. Uh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad for him. And it was. I'm not a jet fan, obviously, because, uh, you know, but, but you, you don't want to kick somebody when they're down. It's, it's not good when a mm-hmm. franchise is down for so long. It's just, it really is. not I yeah. feel bad for, for their fandom and, and, and for people that have, there's so many people that just love the jets and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Patriots aren't going to win anything this year. And I thought, Oh, maybe the jets will, 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 do it. I, one of my best friends is, is a huge jet fan. So I was kind of rooting for him, for him and just doesn't, and again, just the, the, uh, Wilson is not the guy he cannot, he cannot throw, he, he he'll make two mistakes a game and, and one of them's going to cost you. Yeah. Matt Ryan heading that way. Maybe. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. They got, they have to find somebody that can, that can step in there because he Wilson's not the answer. I'm sorry. No. He, he is not the answer. And they have a great defense. That defense is fabulous. Um, but there's gonna be a lot of games where they don't score they they don't score, you know, 10 points on offense. A yep. lot of games. All right, bud. I think we we got all our housekeeping in order. Um let's we got batting leadoff. Batting
2: leadoff. It's hobby happenings.
0: Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings.
1: all right so drew i'm one of these knuckleheads you know that that the fills out those uh home run challenge on tops when you get when you buy a pack when you buy cards and sometimes you get those those cards in there and you scratch off the the code and so you got to predict a, a home when when the guy's going to hit the home run so last year i got actually got matt olsen for the braves mm-hmm. i i predicted and i got a special matt Olson card and then i just got a uh, email notice from tops uh, a couple days ago i think on friday uh that i hit uh hit one on ronald acuna so i got yes. a ronald acuna jr card coming um it's kind of cool i don't i don't even remember what day i picked i i just <laughs> i usually pick like a friday or saturday just because you know they're going to be playing yeah
2: <laughs> but it's pretty cool and i think ronald acuna jr might, might win the mvp this year what do you think if he doesn't something seriously wrong i mean He's what got already a 40 home run, 70 steal season for the first time ever. He might hit 40 80 for all we know. He's so good.
1: He is, he is so good. And, uh, I I think the Braves have the inside shot at at winning this thing there. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Braves are gonna have a shot to win it. So, uh, at least guys, if if, if it's not a a hoax, tops these tops home run challenge. If you, you get any of these contests, play them. You never know if you're gonna win or not, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you can't win if you don't enter, so go for it. That's right. So I did it. So I'm 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 one of those knuckleheads. we got some news from Fanatics. Yep. Fanatics has a new hire as their director of hobby shops. Scott Daniel of Underground Collectibles is going to be joining the uh, Fanatics crew there. And uh, interesting to see what uh, what he brings to the table there. I don't know really much about what a director of hobby shops does there. I guess it would have to do, uh, I mean, working between Fanatics and the shops or Fanatics' own shops or something like that. So... Could be interesting to see what uh, Fanatics has in store here. Yeah, you know what? It's
1: nice to see that they stayed away
2: from Panini for a change. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. learned the lesson, you know? I think so. I mean, they don't they don't need to – don't want to add any more names onto potential lawsuits or anything like that, I would guess. I
1: know, and it's nice that we don't have to talk any lawsuits the whole week. There's no lawsuits
2: this week so far. There was an update, though. Uh, Fanatics did file a uh, – did put in a filing to uh, dismiss the uh, Panini original uh, antitrust suit, so – There's that that. out there, but I have, but there's no nothing handed down as any anything official. It's the fact that it was filed is all.
1: Yeah, that sounds like legal wrangling. I don't, I don't think they. There's enough. I think any judge will say there's enough to warrant the lawsuit. Now, is it enough to make it a a win for Panini? I don't know, but there is certainly enough in there to have it be heard.
2: Yeah, I mean that's all you got to do is get it in there, get it heard, and let the chips fall fall where they may at that point.
1: All right, Drew, we had a nice uh, uh, auction result from Mile High September auction. They auctioned off a T206 Hornets Wagner card. Uh, it's, this is weird, Drew. It was strange to me that it was graded as restored authentic, meaning I guess mm-hmm. it was an authentic card, but they restored it. So you're like, ah, that's not worth anything, right? Was I wrong? A little <laughs> bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, off by a- $1.9 million, Drew, for a T206 Hornus Wagner. Yeah. That, that was restored. Not even, you know, even it's okay. But mm-hmm. what I spent—that's a little much. I think that that that's that's going. You know, if I if I make it out of using my printer, is
2: that is that, <laughs> that that's restored, right? Is
1: right, that, right.
2: I don't know. Just. I'm sure it all depends on like you know what the degree of restoration is. Like if somebody completely repaints the entire thing, it's like all right, that's a bit much, but. You know if they trim it or uh, you know sand down the edges a bit, you yeah. know maybe recolor some white spots there. all right, yeah, I mean, it still looks good and still looks original and all that. But yeah, market is restored, and you know that's hey, I mean, if you can get close to two million for it, that's amazing. but yeah, it seems seems a little high to me as well.
1: I know. I, you know what? I, this hobby never ceases to amaze me.
2: And uh, <laughs> There's a sucker born every minute. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, to some degree. But I mean, hey, if you've got $2 million to throw around on a card, by all means, take a right. chance you on did, that and hope it did goes up right you. something right in your life. Yeah, right? you've, yeah, exactly. You've gotten a lot of other things right, at least. Well, there's some grading numbers from uh, our friends at ChemRate. Yeah, first full week of September had the uh, holiday in there. So numbers are going to be down a bit and... As expected, they were. Everybody dropping by about a quarter this week. PSA, 214,700 cards that went through there. That's a 23% drop over the previous week. SGC, a 24% drop, 21,500 cards graded. Beckett, a 28% drop, 12,000 cards graded by them. And CGC, grading 21,000 cards as a 24% drop.
1: Yeah, I think the holidays, the yes. the, the key didn't win, right? crazy they, they lost the day and i think the there's a hurricane in there too right isn't there didn't we have they were uh, csg and and, uh csg i think were closed yeah that would make sense they had the the aftermath
2: of yeah aftermath of everything coming through there so so we'll we'll see but
1: uh thank
2: you drew always
1: love getting great numbers and we get the we get our ready numbers from gemrate.com drew a lot of new releases this week very surprising uh you know i guess with football season starting and we got hockey's coming up soon and So a lot a lot of uh stuff in the pipeline we have uh, from panini first off the line which is always uh really expensive uh, flawless nfl uh you can get a uh, box for seventeen thousand dollars guys seventeen thousand dollars for first off the line flawless nfl i I know did you did they ever give you guys uh first off the line stuff before they started selling it i no,
2: we never got anything like that as employees or anything no
1: because they never did first off the line this is that's fairly new right well maybe yeah that's in the last couple years. of years or so yeah. they've added that in yeah which i don't and i don't know as a collector if that makes a difference to me
2: i think it's just i mean it number one it's the first ones out there so you've got a better chance of you know quickly flipping something for a decent price and i think they throw some extra bonus stuff there as well you might have a better chance of netting some of the shorter print runs and stuff and, and flaws is always an expensive product enough anyways i mean you're getting freaking diamonds in that box no you know, i know so. it, it,
1: flawless is a beautiful release from panini yes. so that they'll they'll uh, uh you know the regular ones where they they usually go for a couple thousand dollars right
2: yeah i think it'll be like probably about 10 to twelve thousand, i would guess something yeah like that all right bud got what some got? mosaic basketball stuff coming out here we've got the 2023 or 2022 2023 mosaic basketball white sparkle packs panini's used the white sparkle cards as a case insert or a case hit before so uh being able to get a pack of just three white sparkle cards, kind of a cool idea, right there. Get a three of those in a pack for three hundred dollars. So, your types looking for you know a case hit like that, and just you want to get just the just the case hit and don't care about anything else in there. It's a product for you right there.
1: Sure. we have another first off the line for from Panini. It's two thousand twenty three um, Mosaic NFL. You get ten packs, fifteen cards per pack. So let's get one hundred and fifty cards two autographs for 750 That's 750 that's first off the line i'm guessing what the, the mosaic you should go for a couple hundred bucks right
2: yeah the basketball one's going for about a 300 or so so i bet yeah the football one dropped to about 3 to 400 about that
1: so but uh the, i love the mosaic mosaic's a great release uh you know i always get them if, if i can find them at, at target or walmart um you know i usually pick those up i do i really i like i think um i like select the best but mosaic is mm-hmm. is second
2: well, speaking of mosaic we're going to keep on this mosaic theme that we've been on here we uh just mentioned those uh sparkle the white sparkle packs well we've got the regular the standard release of 22 23 mosaic basketball coming out as well you'll see 10 packs uh, per box 15 cards per pack so 150 cards total out of that box get one autograph as well guaranteed in there that's gonna be 335 dollars.
1: you know what there's so many new releases and so many different yeah. brands and you know I, people always ask me new collectors like you know or i'm, I'm in uh you know you're at walmart looking at all the cards and, and and some lady will come by and say hey, what should i get for my son or my grandson you know what yeah. what card should i get and, and really just if if you do what, what i do and what drew does i think you just collect for fun and collect what you like and yeah. then worry about the value later right i mean I right if you if you're really into if you really like the tops heritage and that's that that's what the is the one that the thing that you like a tops archive or or mosaic or whatever just pick pick a couple brands that you like don't go crazy you get stay in your lane right Drew don't right because you, you you'll you blow your budget in 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 a month if you just have to buy everything that's out there so mm-hmm. i i suggest just staying staying in the lane pick a couple things that you like and that's what you collect and then, you know, if there's a, if there's a, uh, a flawless card that a player that you really like, say you're you like, uh, I don't know, you you like JK Dobbins. He's your guy. Well mm-hmm. then, you know, buy those on eBay or, 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 or some other site where you can just yeah. get the Dobbin cards and just, I don't know. It, it really bothers me when, when people try to buy everything because you just can't, it just doesn't make any sense. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, stick to what, stick with what you like, stick to what's in your budget and I mean, go outside that once in a while, but mm. yeah, if you try to buy everything, unless you've got the phrase eccentric billionaire right after your name, <laughs> you're not going to be able to get everything,
1: right? And you know, it's okay to zig and zag. You can change yeah. your opinion; can change. Maybe you know, uh, honestly, I did. I was not a very big uh, Chrome person. I didn't like the Chrome when we when when we first started collecting. They first started coming out because they're not that great for autographs, right? right. I really like the Heritage and the and the archives and that kind of stuff, and in the, the the regular releases. But um, it grew on me, and it's like, oh, I, so I started collecting more Chrome cards. Not, not, not because I just like the way they look, not anything else. So um, you can zig and zag, but we uh, just another. Let's get back to new releases. I'm sorry, Drew. Was just my, my my brain was going a mile a minute today. Um, <laughs> 2023 Bowman University of Alabama football. You get uh, ten packs, five cards per pack, and there's an auto. It's uh, two twenty-five dollars for a uh, blaster box which isn't too bad in, uh, you know, Al- Alabama, those guys are going to be pros, you know, half of those guys are going to be pros. It's, it's a nice uh, take and uh, Bowman has decided to It kind of falls in line with what they're doing, right. In terms of rookies and, and prospects. So 2023 Bowman university of Alabama football
2: for $25. Got some uh, tops finest soccer coming out here as well for it's the, uh, 22 23 tops finest flashback uefa you'll get a jumbo card and a refractor parallel so it looks like two cards in there for 110 dollars interesting they're kind of that uh lottery ticket kind of uh kind yeah of no no that's kind of true i'm sorry about that. That, that that those are regular packs they just oh okay cool
1: some, sometimes uh tops doesn't list put how many packs and how many cards are on the gotcha. flash so, especially right. some of the newer stuff so i just we just didn't have a breakdown, but the, you, those those are the inserts you get one jumbo okay. pack and one parallel refractor and i didn't mean to throw you out on the uh, on the gangplank
2: <laughs> it's all good that's <laughs> on that that's, that's actually kind of a relief because i'm like oh, i don't know how well a lottery ticket project in soccer is going to go over in the u.s but yeah right, that, know, that's a little that's that sounds a little better
1: then. yeah that's our that's our base you your 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 hobby box well 2021-22 yeah. yes guys that's 2021-22 who else could it be from Upper deck out Upper deck ultimate Uh, collection hobby boxes you get one autograph and one memorabilia there's one pack per box four cards per pack so you're only getting four cards Uh, you can get a hobby box for 150 dollars that's 2021 22 upper deck ultimate collection hockey for 150 bucks
2: we've got some uh, 2023 bowman chrome baseball hobby boxes are coming out now as well you get two mini boxes per box each with about 30 cards in them Two autographs in there. And the big one to look out for is there is I remember seeing the phrase retrofractor the other day on this card. And is a Babe Ruth one of one from Refractor that's going to be out there among these boxes. If you can pull that one, you're going to be uh rolling the dough pretty well there. Price on a hobby box, $330.
1: I saw a great uh posting on social media and I don't remember who did it, so I'm sorry, but um they, they had a picture of this this refractor and then they had a picture of a, a 33 Gaudi autographed by Babe Ruth that went for about the same amount that they're saying that this refractor's going to be worth. When, what
2: would you do? Would you buy the refractor or would you buy the autographed uh, Gaudi Babe Ruth? I'm buying the autographed Gaudi a thousand times out of a thousand. I mean, that's me yeah, too. Absolutely. Me too.
1: It's so funny when they they show uh, pick a guy you know Justin Herbert and his his, his card is going for well two hundred thousand dollars because it's a rookie patch or whatever, yeah. but you can get a, you know a uh, Johnny Unitas autographed rookie card from 1940, 55 or whatever for yeah. the same price. I lo- I just love those. I always go for the vintage before as opposed to the new stuff. But yeah, it's good for the kids. It's good for. Uh, get other get collectors involved right and give them a, a chase card and it's really interesting so Drew, thank you that wraps up our um new releases for, for the week as i said we had a lot uh just a, a couple of one other news item uh, the chantilly show is coming october 20th through the 22nd it's at csashows.com uh johnny bench eric dickerson steve Largent, joe montana paul pearson a bunch of other guys are going to be signed. have you sent anything to uh, dickerson lately because i just sent him something the other day i,
2: I have not i good. actually have never mailed to him at all but uh he's another one where i need to grab a copy of his rookie card and mail that off to him at some point
1: yeah i'm hoping he, i saw i just sent an 86 tops card i was fl- flipping through something the other day and i saw it and it's like oh that would look nice signed mm-hmm. uh so i'll I'll keep everyone posted on that one i'm I know for a while he was signing a lot, yeah. and then I thought he, I had heard he stopped signing. But you know, it was nice to see that he's going to the show. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so I took a shot. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, some okay. of those guys too—they'll take a little bit of a break if they know they've got a show coming up or something like that too. Did you send any uh, TTM's out this week yet? I have not yet. I've still got these stamps sitting here in a small pile to write, so I'll probably end up getting to that maybe on like Saturday or Sunday or something. How are you doing on getting
1: Japan back? Have you gotten any of the requests they sent out to Japan?
2: Just that one, uh, Shogo Akiyama one a while yeah. back. Haven't seen any other since then. Haven't seen any Korean ones. Haven't seen any Mexican ones. But it's also only been about a month since I dropped most of those in.
1: What's the one uh, TTM request you have out there that you you just can't wait to get back? Do you have one that you're like, oh, I can't wait to get that
2: one back? Off the top of my head, no. There's I mean, there's, there's so many of them that I'd like to get back that, you know, like especially anybody that I sent to Japan – anybody there where I've got a team uh, or a set project card out to, but nobody that's like, I'm, you know, just champing at the bit waiting to get back or anything like that. So I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of just throwing the net out there rather than like targeting anything. You got any shows you're
1: attending and,
2: In- probably not i just uh i just well i've got those two pearl jam concerts so that's taking up a little bit of money and i just bought a new computer as well that should be here next week
3: yay so, uh, i'm yes. the happiest
1: person in this room <laughs> yes it's finally
2: uh, finally we'll stop having some problems here hopefully which which is hilarious i did a couple of adjustments on here thing things been flying all week ever since that and it's like oh of course after i threw down a couple hundred bucks on a new computer there but uh yeah hopefully i'll have that and so yeah that's taking up any of my uh, extra money here for the next bit there and then uh, my wife and I and Aubrey are all going up to Colorado for a, almost a full week at the end of October. So I'd better hold off on spending anything until after all of that, because I've I've done a lot there. So no shows for me just yet.
1: Yeah, speaking of no shows, I'm heading to Savannah, uh, the first weekend in uh, October. I don't know dates right off the top of my head. But um, that Saturday, we will not have a show. So I'll let everyone know. But just to Keep in mind, we're gonna we're gonna skip one week. So I'm going to uh, Savannah with my family for a, a long weekend. It's um, it's, uh, lab, it's uh, what do you call it? Columbus Day weekend. Columbus Day. There you go. Yep. Oh, it's right around. It's right around there. And I know uh, Drew is going to be off to call Colorado. So uh, we might. I don't know if we'll. Maybe we'll give Drew the week off, and we'll bring, bring in one of you guys to to be a uh, a guest hostess that week. Don't worry, Drew. You'll still get your your money for you. <laughs> the emails i'll, I'll never write, write you out but um we've got a lot you know i was just telling drew before we started i've got a couple of cool uh collectors that i'm going to be interviewing next week and i've got i'm talking to reed larson the boston bruins uh today so we will have him on uh on the show on saturday so we have all, all sorts of cool stuff but for this week guys i talked to you i, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show uh, i'm going to replay an interview that i had with wilma briggs wilma briggs is the second all-time career home run leading hitter in uh women's professional baseball whatever all american girls professional baseball league uh, when they figured that when they started figuring that out i don't think they realized how many letters they had to have in the in, in their logo right
2: yeah that's I, that's that's a mouthful for sure it is
1: so i spoke with wilma she she was on uh, 90 years old just having her 90th birthday when i spoke to her keep in mind that this interview was took place in November of 2022 uh we had bun- had a bunch of uh, signed cards we were given away so if we do mention that during the interview uh the cards are gone guys don't worry there's no we' not we don't have any more cards to give away but Wilma passed away uh last week and I just thought it was uh in tribute to her because she was such a historic person such a great lady and, and I really enjoyed interviewing her so please enjoy my interview with Wilma Briggs remember this was uh, conducted on uh in November of 2022.
0: It's football season. There's no better time to get your NFL stars, rookies, and veteran cards graded. CGC Cards offers fast turnaround times, so you get your cards back even faster. They have crystal clear holders, so your cards shine. And best yet, all starting at just $12 a card. Head to CGCCards.com to start grading your cards today. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, CSGCards.com for superior sports card certification and grading.
1: This segment is sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and cataloging your cards. Buy or sell cards on the marketplace. Turn the hobby into your side hustle today. Joining the show is a very special guest from Rhode Island. Her name is Wilma Briggs. She is a veteran of seven seasons of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. She played from 1948 to 1953. She played with the Fort Wayne Daisies and the South Bend Blue Sox. She is second all-time in home runs for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League with 43. Which is unbelievable. She is only five foot four, 138 pounds on her playing day, and she was smacking the ball all over the place. She's a great hitter, a great fielder. And we're going to talk to Wilma about her career. Welcome to the show, Wilma.
3: Thank you so much.
1: First of all, I want to wish you a happy birthday. Wilma has just turned 92 years old and she's still going strong. And she agreed to uh, talk to us today. And I really thank you for being with us.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Well, you know, Wilma, I saw a quote that you you said. You said, we didn't even know we were making American history. And that goes a long way. I'm a huge history guy. When you guys were playing, you didn't really understand how special it was, did you?
3: No, we had no idea at all. We were just having such a good time playing. It, It didn't matter whether it was history or what it was. We were just having a good time.
1: Now, you know, I know the, the the release of the league of their own, the movie, and now the TV show brought a lot of attention to, to the uh, league and to what you guys had done. Um, Was, was, did that come as a surprise to you that all of a sudden you were, you were a celebrity again?
3: Well, we knew Penny Marshall was thinking about doing the movie after she saw a documentary that one of the sons of one of the players had made. And, uh, when she finally made it, that's what gave us national recognition. Actually, it gave us international recognition because I've received the letters from people for autographs from Australia, New Zealand, Japan. So it gave us, you know, uh, unbelievable uh, uh, recognition.
1: We do. Were you signing a lot of autographs back in the day while you were playing? Was that something that was part of your everyday? Uh- well,
3: we signed some, but not, a, I mean, I've signed hundreds since the movie came out. And, uh, but yes, we signed autographs, but not as many as you might think we would because we were playing for entertainment for the people during the war and, uh, they weren't concerned about autographs as much as people are today. So were
1: the games on uh, radio back then, or was it just, uh, just li- live, uh,
3: uh, so we' on radio as a matter of fact the veterans hospital in Fort Wayne uh actually televised our shows oh wow for the veterans so the uh, so that that was I never saw any of the televised uh, editions but uh, yeah they were all on the radio
1: no it was no it was interesting when I was looking at your st- uh, statistics I didn't realize how many games you guys played you guys were playing over a hundred games. <laughs> and, and it was really a full season.
3: It sure was, because it was a relatively short season, and uh, we used to pray for rain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you you were uh, a big hitter. You're only five foot four. Where did you get all the, your power from?
3: Probably from uh, uh, milking cows and shoveling, you know what? <laughs> 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 and uh, the uh, the sacks of grain weighed a hundred pounds. And I used to feed the cows, so I had to lift those uh, bags of grain and put them in the grain cart. So all of that made me strong.
1: Well, you grew up on a dairy farm in Rhode Island, and you would have ten brothers and sisters, right?
3: Yeah, there were well, there were twelve of us all together. Yeah, eleven of us that grew up. Yeah, only three okay. of us left.
1: So that that that's a big family. But baseball was kind of in your blood. Your dad, your dad. Uh, really was the one that brought you into baseball and, and had uh, had some talent, right?
3: right? Well, he loved baseball, but he was never really good enough to play on anybody's team. So he said, well, I'll have my own team and then I can play. So he did. And it was it was originally called the French Town, which was a, a suburb of East Vintage, uh, a French Town Community Club. But everybody called them farmers because... He was a dairy farmer. Yep. So eventually the name became the Frenchtown Farmers. And because I worked in the barn with my brothers, my two older brothers, uh, as a reward, he used to uh, let me get in one game, I mean, get in a game uh, and have at least one time at bat. So that was really exciting for me because I was 17 when I joined the All American. So I was less than 17 when he let me play. So I had never played against girls, only men and women and uh, boys. So I I was thinking uh, when I finally had my tryout in the All-American, how hard could it be to make since. But when I saw him play, I realized (laughs) there were some really good ballplayers. And uh, but I did make it. So.
1: Now, you um, you played on your high school team as well. And that brought some attention to you as a youngster. Was that was that difficult?
3: Well, a lot of the boys that played on the high school team also played on my father's team. So I had played with them before I played on the high school team, but I only played my senior year, and that's because the coach pitched for my father's team, and our principal was a catcher. So the battery was from my <laughs> high school, and uh, the coach had never seen me play, and uh, he said, uh gee why don't you go out for the high school team in the spring and he had always coached the team so i thought well why not and then during the summer they he put the high school team in the summer league and the first baseman was away at sea 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 camp which was uh, like boy scouts only higher up in in the navy yep and they needed a first baseman so I played first base all summer for the high school and then I played during interscholastically during the season in the spring.
1: We're speaking with Wilma Briggs. Wilma played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 until League Folded in 1954. She ranked second on the all-time home run list in the league history. She led the league in home runs one, one year, uh, I believe in 1953. She is a member of the AAGBL Board of Directors. She is, got inducted to, into the East Greenwich Athletic Hall of Fame. She is got inducted to the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame. She is a recipient of the Game of Legends Award. And she is uh, featured in uh, the, League of, the o- uh, League of Their Own Movies. She, she had a cameo, and she has some of her stuff in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown geez, what a long list, uh, a long list of resume, Wilma, uh, it, it's so, uh, it must be nice to hear all that stuff of the, all your accomplishments.
3: Well, I just, uh, all I can say is I, I never felt like I was doing anything special. I, I was just doing what I loved to do. And, uh, it came natural to me because I grew up playing uh, baseball. And, uh, when I joined the league, uh, Uh, They were using a 10 and 3 8 inch ball Uh, and what the movie doesn't uh, depict is that there were six different balls used during the duration of the league. They started with underhand pitching in a 12 inch ball. Then they went to 11 inch and then 11 and a half inch, then 11. And then when I joined the league in 1948, right out of high school, there was no more underhand pitching. Everything switched to overhand and sidearm. And, and then the, uh, they used that 10 and 3-inch ball until 1950. And in 1950, that's when I led the league in home runs and only had nine. Well, they were using a 10-inch ball. I liked the 10-inch ball. I, I thought that was a good ball and to keep the game different from regular men's baseball. However... In the final season, they switched to a, a regular uh, baseball like the menus. And uh, I remember I was playing with South Bend. And in, in, in Fort Wayne, the first six seasons, you couldn't hit the ball out of the ballpark. The fences were too far. But, yep. in South, but So most of my home runs came on the road, <laughs> like I could hit it out in, in Rockford. And I could hit it out in Grand Rapids. I could hit it out in Kalamazoo. And I could hit it out in South Bend. But Fort Wayne was difficult. You had to get the ball between the outfielders and it would roll. And if if you were fast enough, you could round the bases. But you didn't hit it out of the ballpark. So eventually, in 1953, when I led the league in home runs, they put a home run fence in. And that was short enough that I could hit it over the fence. And the strange thing is a teammate and I both had eight home runs. And what we didn't know was somebody else in the league also had eight home runs. I don't know who it was, but anyway, on the last night of the season, the last night I got lucky and hit my ninth home run and led the league. So uh,
1: that's awesome. Did you now I think you st- you saved the ball, right? Did you get the the ball from the, the last home run? No,
3: we didn't. St- uh, the only balls I save were kind of balls that I took out of the ball bag and brought home. And 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 we used them. My brothers and I wore them all out playing ball with them. I have only two original balls. One is a 10 and 3 eighths inch from the, my initial season. And the other one is uh, it's a 10 inch ball.
1: Did you save any of your uniforms or any memorabilia
3: from your playing days? Well, when we won the pennant, in 1952, with Jimmy Fox, we got uh, the great Jimmy Fox. By the way, I had a brother named James Emory Fox Briggs, <laughs> and who would believe, he was born I think in 1936, and who would believe that years later, the great Jimmy Fox would be my manager. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we got to keep jackets, but the uniforms were were turned in. And they were used, they had a, a day, junior Daisy team and they got our uniforms. Uh, some of the players on some of the teams were able to keep theirs, but we weren't able to do that. So.
1: You mentioned Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox obviously was a Hall of Famer and you also were influenced by Max Carey, who was a former Max Hall of Famer. Max Carey,
3: greatest baseball teacher I ever had. He taught. He taught me how to hit to the opposite field, how to how to drop a bunt how to drag a bunt how to bluff a bunt how to steal how to, sc- how to hook slide with a ball coming from the outfield slide toward third base tag the second with your hand uh, if it's coming from the other way slide and tag uh, slide toward the outfield toward right field and tag with your foot so your toe <laughs> not your whole foot your toe and uh, he, he just taught me so many things, how to catch a fly ball in position to throw. Uh, and if if it's just a big lazy fly and you're standing still, back up a few steps. So you've got a little bit of momentum coming in to catch the ball and you can really get rid of it. That's one of the things that in Major League Baseball today that drives me insane. When I see these <laughs> uh, catch, catching everything with one hand, I, I don't like that. I think they ought to. They had to really practice the fundamentals and, and play good fundamental baseball. But today, everything, they rely on the home run. And, and of course, it does win most of their games. Was it one of the World Series games the other day? Every run was scored by a home run.
1: Yeah. So. No, it's funny when you say that. You just remind me of my grandfather when I was a little kid. He would He, he would drill it into me. Two hands, two hands. You don't catch a ball with one hand. And I, that, that's something that I, I always I always did because of him.
3: Yeah. The other thing there I remember so clearly. Well, in the wintertime, we used to, because <laughs> my father had all the baseball equipment, he kept it in the trunk of the car, and we'd get a couple of baseballs and when the cows would be in the barn all winter and they faced out but there was about a, a six or eight foot cement stretch between them and anyway we used to roll the ball as hard as we could up that cement strip from one end of the barn to the other and whoever lost uh, or missed or made an error on 10 first then they were out and you played with somebody else but we wore out more baseballs play, playing rollers in the barn. And the other thing that I remember is my, my fondest memory of baseball is my father hitting ground balls to my older brothers, two older brothers and me in our backyard. He, he was uh, uh, backed up, His, the barn was behind him, and he was hitting toward the house. And once, two, two or three times, he did break the kitchen window. <laughs> most most of the time but the thing was he hardly ever missed the ball and we pitched it back to him when we fielded it and the thing was we weren't you know we were like 11 12 13 14 years old and we weren't very good pitchers <laughs> and sometimes we throw it on the wrong side of him and he just turned around and he hit it and and I said to myself I want to learn to get the bat on the ball like that and I got pretty good at it because I batted second in the lineup and I lead in the in the All-American, and the lead-off hitter was a good base stealer. So being left-handed, I could protect her so the catcher didn't see her when she got her start. And Max Harry had taught me how to make a move so that I actually blocked the catcher out. But he said, you can't just do it when she's gonna steal. You gotta do it on every pitch and make it part of your natural movement. And I did. And if I were to bat today, I would still do it because it became part of my natural move. And he, he taught me how to do that. And uh, that, that was so exciting, but my father, because because he never missed we we beg him to come and hit ground balls to us because if we did it we spend all day chasing the ball because we missed yeah and when i played in the all-american my roommate she wouldn't play pepper with anybody but me because i never missed and <laughs> and i learned that from him and she and the other thing was i hit pepper and the others. Thought they were having batting practice and then kill you. I mean, you were standing pretty close, and he yeah. and she wouldn't warm up with anybody because they always wanted to play burnout, and she just wanted to warm up. So we had a good relationship, she and I.
1: Did yeah. you, you batted left handed? Was that your natural? Uh,
3: yeah, uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I do anything I do with two hands. I do left handed anything. But I you do,
1: threw a right. You threw a righty though.
3: I threw a right. Anything I do with one hand. I, I do right-handed, so I eat, I throw, I write, uh, and
1: right-handed. Yeah. But you but you are not you are a natural lefty.
3: Well, I was a natural lefty batter.
1: Yeah, batter. Yeah, yeah. Just like Kaliostremsky, right?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you make a, You know, you met. I, I think I saw in one of the interviews that you used to make it up to Fenway every once in a while. Um, well, do, when, do, do you, do you recall Yankees, your trips up to Fenway?
3: Well, no. When when the Yankees were in. Uh, Fenway Park. My father would take my two older brothers, and I used to say, "What about me?" <laughs> so pretty soon, I got to go too. But only when the Yankees were there. We had, I, I never saw any other team play until uh, oh, I don't know six or seven years ago. One of my high school uh, players that played on the high school team with me—he took me to Boston. They were playing Detroit. But see, I'm a Yankee fan. And I don't hold it against anybody that's a Red Sox fan, but I just, I like the Yankees because they had such good team chemistry. And it's team chemistry that really makes a team. It's, it's not stars, you can't depend on the stars, but you can, if, if the players are willing to make sacrifices uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for their teammates, you're gonna have good team chemistry. And it never bothered me to give up a time at bat to make a sacrifice.
1: We're speaking with Wilma Briggs. Wilma Briggs played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 to 1954 when the league uh, ended up holding, right or, or, or ceasing operation, and he, she was an outfielder and she played a little first base as well. She is second all time in the home run list with forty three in the league history. She is only one of fourteen players to collect three hundred or more RBIs. And know what guys, she could run. <laughs> you stole a lot of bases during your career, Wilma. Uh,
3: I stole more, most of them when Max harry was was uh, our manager. Uh, he he had us all running. And uh, he and uh, Tyvee Eisen, the leadoff hitter and I, we had our own signal. And uh, I would have, that's one of the things about being able to get the bat on the ball because a lot of times I had to hit with two strikes. And Max always said, just remember, if it's close enough to be called, it's close enough to be swung at. So I had a a lot of uh, two strike base hits just because of that. But I was able to follow off a lot of pitches. And if you can follow them off, pretty soon you're going to get one you can hit. So uh, for batting second in the lineup with Max, I, I think I batted 275 both years with him. And, uh, I, and I you know, I credit that mostly to being able to get my bat on the ball and, you know, get a good pitch.
1: You got to play a lot as a rookie, uh, and I know that's, that was – Rare it back in those, those oh, days.
3: That was, I was that's unbelievable. When I,
1: when if I, because you were young, you were, only what, 17 years was, old, right?
3: I was 17 and right out of high school. As a matter of fact, the, the day of my high school, the night of my high school graduation, which was June 11th, 1948, the next morning at nine o'clock, there was a tryout uh, camp or, in somewhere in New Jersey, Trenton I think and I had to decide do I go to my graduation or do I go to the tryout? Now as much as I wanted to go to the tryout, my decision was to go to my graduation. I would I was the first in my family to graduate from high school and, and many years later went on to college but I, I, I did not want to disappoint my parents and, and uh, so I chose, Uh, my graduation, not ever knowing whether I'd ever have another opportunity to try out in the All-American, but the schoolboy sports writer Dick Reynolds at the time, he found out that I had made that decision and he said, "I I will get you a tryout. So he called Max Carey, who at the time was the president of the league, and arranged and, and said he, he said, I have a, a player that needs a tryout in the league. And uh, she wants to come uh, to one of the cities. And Max said, well, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Because players show up, they, they don't make it, and then they don't have any money to get home. And we can't afford to keep paying for their expenses to go home. So Max, I mean, Dick, Dick says, but Max, she's going to make it. And and Max says, I know, they're all going to make it. And he says, no.
1: No, no, you don't understand.
3: (laughs) No, she's really going to make it. And he says, yeah, I know, they're all really going to make it. But anyway, so the the final decision was that if if my parents drove me to the closest city, which happened to be Fort Wayne, uh, if I didn't make it, they would drive me home. So it wouldn't cost the league anything. So that's how I happened to get a tryout. Is my parents drove me, and it's and that's about a thousand miles. Two yeah,
1: thousand. that's a long drive, especially back in 1948 with the roads a little different than they uh, are today.
3: yeah, Route 20 all the way, no no uh, throughway. <laughs> but anyway, so and then when I found out I I made it, uh, well I had my tryout first of all, and it was before just before a uh, game was when the Fort Wayne was having their batting batting practice before the game, and they were all out there in uniform, and I'm out there. (laughs) I must have looked like a sore thumb, but anyway, I think I had on khaki pants and a sweatshirt or something and a red cap, and I tried out at first base, and uh, but anyway, when it was time for me to bat, uh, because the girls were pitching to the girls, naturally, but when it was time for me to bat, the manager. Pitch to me, and I thought, well, that's good because I never batted against the girl because <laughs> he didn't know that. But anyway, uh, I think my hitting impressed him, and uh, uh, because I did not, you know, I hit the ball pretty good. And anyway, we the next morning, and so they told me I made it, and and all of a sudden I became so intimidated. I I said, oh, I don't want to stay out here by myself, and you know. Today, when I was teaching school fifth grade, those kids had been everywhere. Sure. I mean, and I hadn't even been out of Connecticut. Was about as far away as I had been to stay overnight. And even then, I cried, had to come home. So I had never stayed overnight uh, uh, any distance away. And and I I said, I'm not staying. I'm going home. And finally, my father said, if. If you don't like it, you can always come home. So I finally decided to stay. But, but in the meantime, the manager called Max Carey and he said, we got this kid. Max didn't know I was, it was the same person that Dick Reynolds was talking about. But anyway, he said, well, give him more money. <laughs> rookie, <laughs> rookie pay was $55 a week. Wow. And so I started at 60. <laughs> so I got a raise before I ever played so that was pretty good. And be- I was going
1: to ask you, could you make a living uh, playing? I mean, you, you played uh, seven years. I, I'm sure near the end of your career, you were, were making a pretty good dollar.
3: Well, I, I got up to $100 a week, but when I came home, I started working in a knife factory, and I was working for about $25 a week, so.
1: <laughs> did they um, I did they include uh, room and board when, with your salary? I know that you guys lived on, you know, hotels on the road and stuff, but you we had got, t, uh, team team houses, right?
3: We got we got three dollars a day for food on the road. At home, we paid our our own food. And but they gave we we live with private families. Like two players might stay, two players at each home, and like two might stay at your house. And yeah, kind
1: of like the Cape Cod League does. What's that? Like the Cape Cod League does in in the summer, where they they have the kids live at the private homes.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I'm not really familiar with that. Okay, But but I was very fortunate. In the first year, the rookie year, we, we were both rookies. And as a matter of fact, I stayed in touch with her. She died last year at 92. And uh, she was a pitcher. And we loved to play behind her because she threw strikes. She hardly ever walked anybody. And she could give up nine hits and two runs because they got the hits after two outs and so she was great to play behind but anyway uh, she and i had to take the city bus to the ballpark and we lived on the opposite side of town and it was horrendous oh sometimes we'd be talking we'd miss our stop we didn't (laughs) we didn't know where we were oh it was crazy but the next year Dottie schrader the shortstop she asked me to room with her. Uh, so, did, so did my rookie roommate, and so did one of the catches, and so did a girl who, who lived in Fort Wayne. That was her home. She lived with her parents. Well, Dottie Schrader said to me, and Dottie was one of the big stars in the league. I, I couldn't even believe, she's the one that I said only wanted to play Pepper with me. Well, yeah. that's because she said to me, if you room with me, we'll have transportation. I said, I'll room with you.
2: <laughs> <Soul>.
3: <laughs> that, that's right. That made, I mean, that would have been a no brainer not to room with her. And we roomed together for five seasons and never had a disagreement. Uh, not one. She was just the most fantastic person I've, I've probably ever met. And it was just a joy to play with her and to room with her. And, uh, I visited her home once in, in Sedaris, Illinois, which is very close to Champaign. But, Do you have a favorite
1: moment on the field? Something that, that even even now you harken back and you're like, oh, that that really brings a smile to your face?
3: My baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I no, I did not write the, the biographical. I wrote a biographical sketch, but they rewrote it and they did not write exactly what I was thinking. But anyway, the card says that one of my favorite moments was hitting a home run with my parents in South Bend, which which was, I mean, that was pretty exciting. As a matter of fact, my rookie season, my father came out to see me play, and I made a shoestring catch in right field. And I, I didn't, I hadn't seen him. I didn't know, I knew somebody from home was there because I saw our car, which was a nineteen forty-eight Ford, and the license plate was Rhode Island E 7330 and seven three three oh was our phone number. So, ah. so I said, Wow, well, somebody's here from home. And but I didn't see him. And the game started, and I made this shoestring catch in right field. And after the game, my father was never one to rush out, and he's sitting behind in the right behind third base. and And I saw him. So I went over to talk to him. He didn't say hello. He didn't say, he said, lucky catch. (laughs) (laughs) And and then in South Bend, when I hit that home run, I knew they were in South Bend because they stayed for the whole series and then went on to Kenosha and saw some more games. But anyway, when I rounded second base and was going toward third base, I could see him behind third, sitting behind third base. But when the game was over, first thing out of his mouth was "lucky hit." So. <laughs> Jeez,
1: thanks, Dad.
3: And I knew what he meant.
1: <laughs> did he? Did he have a a a wry sense of humor? Was he a? a-
3: yeah, yeah, and he used reverse psychology all the time. So. That's
1: cool. I mean, it's it's great that, you know, as, as a youngster, they would take you out to the tryout and supported you and, and went to see you play. And uh, I'm sure it was a, a different time for for women as opposed to men. But uh, you you guys made, made your mark.
3: Yeah. And my first uh, I tell you, I, I stayed at the Hotel Van Almond my first night in Fort Wayne. And the next morning, the Daisies went on a nine day road trip. And one of the series was in Chicago, and Max Carey came out to the game, and that's where I met him for the first time. And after the game, and uh, I couldn't believe it, I'm a rookie, I've only be- been with the team overnight, I haven't even met the players yet, except on the bus trip. And he put me into pinch hit, and lo and behold, if I didn't. <laughs> There was a a guy that played right field for the Yankees. He was the greatest foul ball home run hitter I ever saw. Well, that's what I did. I hit the ball out of the park, but it was foul.
1: Oh, on your first at bat, you just missed a home run? Um,
3: I just missed a home run. And anyway, I I don't know what I finally did. Nothing special. And I was out. But after the game, Max Carey was very impressed. And he wanted me to stay in in chicago and play with the colleens and i remember my manager telling him she's staying with us because she's left-handed and we don't have any left-hand hitters so that's how i happened to stay with the daisies in fort wayne
1: that's very cool we're speaking with wilma briggs Wilma played seven seasons in the all-american girls professional baseball league from 1948 to 1954 she played with the fort wayne daisies and she played her final season with the South Bend Blue Sox. She led the league in home runs in 1953. She is second on the all-time list with 43 home runs. Uh, luckily you you're you're about 12 behind the leader, so you didn't have to worry about that one that one that got, that went foul.
3: Well, she the leader. She, she played all, all her, her whole career in Rockford. And Which is was, a small park, right? She was left-handed. And it was a football field that had a diamond on it, but they were bleachers in right field. So right field wasn't very deep and she could hit them. And so I'm not surprised if I had played at Rockford, I would have had 50 home runs, believe me, uh, probably maybe more than she did. But anyway. Uh,
1: See, Jane, Jane, always a competitive athlete, right, Jane? Oh,
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah right. <laughs> now, you know, the thing I like, I never really wanted to be traded. But I did go to South Bend and I wish now I could have played my entire career at South Bend because in South Bend, I could hit it out in any field, left, center, or right. And and there were cars parked behind the fence out there. And I don't know if I broke any windshields or not, but but I might've come close because.
1: We surprised the the league uh, ended operations in 54. Did you think it was going to keep on going for a while?
3: We hoped it would, uh, but the, handwriting was on the wall uh they we wanted to try to move it toward the east and they said no it would be too cold and uh, they had all kinds of reasons but uh, anyway yeah everybody was disappointed uh, so What? Well, when the, was
1: your season when did you guys play were you do, were you playing spring spring to fall or, or when did you when, when was your season
3: i i you know i try to remember that i thought we started somewhere around memorial day but maybe it was before that and the season ended around labor day
1: On labor and, day sure
3: yeah so it was june july august th- I mean, was the
1: tra- was the traveling tougher i mean you guys were were pretty localized in the midwest right so you weren't going huge yeah, distances yeah. right
3: yeah Grand, uh, michigan uh, illinois uh, uh, indiana
1: it was Fort Wayne a good place for you to play in terms of the, the support of the fans?
3: Oh, the fans, the fans are unbelievable. You know, a lot of people ask me that. Well, what, if, what did they boo you? Uh, did they make fun? Did they say, you know, you should be home, uh, you should be married, blah, blah, blah. None of that ever happened with Nate. Uh, they were very complimentary. If you made an error or, or anybody made an error, they very seldom ever, Said anything about the era uh, because there were so many outstanding plays that they were in awe of the talent that they were watching, and they were—I mean—you couldn't ask for better fans. And that was just about every ballpark. I, I was—I don't remember any derogatory remarks ever toward me from any of the, any of the ballparks I played in or anybody else.
1: How close was the movie league to their own, uh, to your experience? You know, they all mentioned all the on off field stuff and chaperones and, well, you know, etiquette classes and all that kind of stuff. Was it, was, was that involved? That was,
3: that was accurate. The thing, the thing that the movie doesn't show, cause it's supposed to be showing the beginning of the league, you know, when they had the tryouts in Chicago yeah. and and I, I guess that's what happened pretty much. But they didn't use a nine-inch ball in the beginning of the league. They didn't have overhand pitching. It was underhand. And the league does not show that they used six different size balls. <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny. That was going to be one of my questions to you because I, I wasn't sure what type, what size ball it was. And did they were they experimenting to see what gave the best um, – Games. Well, that- I,
3: think, I think eventually they wanted it to everything to be the, uh, pretty uniform with men's major league baseball, but the base paths, I, I, I think they were 75 feet when I started and they never got 85 was as far as long as, as they were. Okay. Pitching did go to 60 feet, not 60 feet, six inches like the men, because yep. they, they forgot. How,
1: how fast were the girls throwing? You know, it with- was well,
3: I don't know because it was never measured and nobody ever said, but I know some of the pitchers were thrown pretty fast. And yeah, I mean,
1: you you faced men in high school. Were they, was, they, was it uh, similar to what you were facing in high school or was it faster than that?
3: Oh, yeah, it was definitely similar to high school, if not faster. Uh, I remember in a reunion we had in California and they did have a gun there measuring how fast we threw and we were in our 60s and sue kid she pitched for south bend threw a very heavy ball but anyway uh she she was still throwing the ball 60 miles an hour wow and and she well she was in her late 50s i was i was 60 and she was about three years younger than i and i couldn't believe it i was i was throwing at about 52 (laughs) but she was throwing at 60 and that's they're pretty good at that age. So I don't. Would know. they do?
1: Would they doing stuff to the ball, scuffing it up, and throwing spitballs and all that kind of stuff? Wait, what? Scuffing the ball up and throwing spitballs and kind of you know the, uh, no, the all the no. all the stuff that the major leaguers do No,
3: no the the worst thing about balls that they were always experimenting with the ball. Sometimes you got a lively ball. Sometimes you got a dead ball. I remember when I was playing with South Bend and we went to Kalamazoo and in the, the Fort Wayne Daisies had just left and this Fort Wayne had some long ball hitters and during that series there were 14 home runs wow and they used a lively ball so when we came to town we got a dead ball and I hit every time up I hit the ball it hit the top of the fence but none of them went over everyone came back and if we'd been using a lively ball, I I probably would have had a home run every time I was up. But I mean, those those <laughs> the breaks of the game. And- Did you collect
1: autographs when you when you were playing? Did you get autographs of like Jimmy, Jimmy Fox and Max Carey or your teammates or or people that you played with, I guess? Yeah,
3: I I have. I, I got Jimmy Fox's added, uh, autograph from my brother Jimmy, and he signed it to my namesake. But I, I said to myself, Oh, my gosh, I don't even have Jimmy's autograph. And then I remember <laughs> uh, we won the pennant in 1952 with Jimmy Fox. No, Max Harry managed in 50 and 51, and those were my two best years and, and the most fun. But anyway, uh, uh, we won the pennant, and I had a $1 bill, and I had all the players and Jimmy sign it. So I do have his autograph on a $1 bill. And when I, I had, after the movie came out, I had tons of speaking engagements. And one of the things I would take is that dollar bill. And it was getting kind of, you know, I was afraid it was going to get ruined yep. so and put, put it in a plastic case so the kids could handle it and look at it and uh, they enjoyed it, so.
1: I, I was looking at your stats in 1952. You only stole one one base. Did you get hurt that year? Is that why you weren't stealing?
3: Uh, I, I only stole one base in
1: 1952. That's what the stats say.
3: Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I doubt your word, but I just I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, it says you had three home runs, 50 RBIs, one stolen base, 44 walks. Maybe it's an error on the, from the stats.
3: I have to put my glasses on because I can't right. see.
1: Well, um, you know, you, you mentioned, um, 51 and 52 as, as your the years that you had the most fun. Why, why was it the most fun for you?
3: Because Max Harry was the manager and he was such a good teacher.
1: Did the, um, did the uh, was it was it strict off the field in terms of them watching you guys and chaper uh, you know having chaperones and making sure you behaved yeah. quote unquote?
3: <laughs> the one thing that drove us crazy was because we tra- in the early uh, days of the league. They traveled by chartered. Uh, they traveled by train, but by the time I was in the league, everything was with a chartered bus, and I can remember. Um. It'd be two o'clock in the morning. And if you got off the bus, because on the bus we wore shorts or, or something. And but if you got off the bus to use a restroom at a gas station, you had to put a skirt on. Right. Well, at two o'clock in the morning, there's nobody there. We, we had to put a skirt on. And that drove us insane. I mean. But and what would they
1: do, fine you if you didn't?
3: Well, I don't know, because everybody did. Just <laughs> general principles, but um, anyway, uh, yes, they were very strict about clothes, um, and we, we had to go to a lot of um, luncheons, like uh, Kiwanis club or something like that. Mm-hmm. All, all men, and uh, we hated that because we had to dress up and we, we had to wear silk stockings, and and they didn't they didn't have knee highs then. Uh, you had to have got a belt or something and it was just miserable so but anyway we tried we tried to have fun i used to try to sit with one particular player because whenever she wanted bread she'd say could you pass me the bread and they'd hold the plate and she'd say no just give me one piece so they'd hand her a piece and and she would always rip it she would tear, make a hole in it. Oh, she was so funny. She, <laughs> she was really fun to, to eat with.
0: It,
1: it sounds like you had real fun, a real fun time playing, but really the camaraderie with the, with the other players was really the best part, no?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. You, you asked me earlier about a particular moment, and I mentioned yeah. home run when my parents were there. That's, the, that's what's on my baseball card, but I think the most exciting moment was when Max Carey motioned for me to bluff a bunt. He said, "I want you to I want you to check to be sure Tybee was on first. He's and she's going to steal second. And I want her to be able to go from first to third. So I want you to bluff a bunt. I mean, look like a are going to bunt." And make sure the shortstop is covering second and uh, then on the next pitch she's gonna go and you're gonna hit right through that hole and i i hit right through that shortstop hole and to me to be able to execute the play the manager wants you to do is very exciting and to me that was the most exciting moment of, of you know to remember
1: does it drive you crazy watching today's game with all these shifts and got guy, five guys on the right side of the infield? And
3: I don't think they – yeah, they've spoiled the game as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Too, too many home runs and uh, way too many home runs, and, and they shouldn't have the shift. You, you've got a position, play the position. And second base is not on the shortstop side. It's on the first base side. So stay there. I know. And I don't know why these guys
1: just don't hit in the hole. There's so much, the the spaces are so big uh, uh, on the other side of the field and they refuse to.
3: I, yeah, yeah, I can't understand it either because what in batting practice, if I were, if I were managing that team, I would say to the players when that shift is on, when you take batting practice, not before the game, but I mean, when you have, when we have practice, I want you to try to hit everything to the opposite field. Yeah, and get so you can do it. And if they got so they could do it, or bunt down there. I mean, a bunch for sure, best hit because there's nobody there. And they I know these
1: it. guys, and they, they, there's one guy in on the field on the left side of the field, and it's the, the third baseman was all the way over at second base. Yeah. All you have to do is drop a little dinker down there, and you, yes. you got, you're on base.
3: Just get it past the pitcher. And you're on. I know. I don't understand, But I if I were a coach, I would say you do that. Learn to do it. And if they did it, they'd they stop the shift. They'd have to because no,
1: I know. And think about how much money these some of these guys would make. Just, you know, they'd be hitting 330, 340 and right. getting on base all the time and stealing some bases. They would they'd make just as much money.
3: Right. Right. So
1: we're you know. speaking with Wilma Briggs. It's I, I wanted to call it, Briggsy. Yeah, I, I love the nickname. You were you were Briggsy in your playing days. I, out of respect, you're ni- you're 92 years old, but I want to call you Briggsy. Briggsy, she played in the. Girl, all American girls professional baseball league from 1948 to 1954. She started as a 17 year old out of high school and she played all the way till she was the old age of 23. Can you believe it? She played till she was 23. She was a uh, left fielder, uh, outfielder. She was uh, a great hitter, a lefty hitter. She was a great fielder. She uh, led the league in home runs in 1953. She's second all time in home runs with 43. She is one of only 14 players to. To collect 300 or more rbis in, in her career she is inducted into the royal island heritage hall of fame she is a member of the each greenwich athletic hall of fame she is a recipient of the game of legends hall of fame her stuff is featured in the baseball hall of fame in cooperstown have you been back to Cooperstown to see the exhibit and have they updated it re- recently well, uh,
3: i think i think the, the last reunion i went to was in uh, uh, syracuse and we spent one whole day at, at the Hall of Fame. So, I've is, it,
1: is it humbling to you to, to know that you guys are featured in the Hall of Fame and some of your stuff is there?
3: Well, we, we think, see, there are, there are a lot of players that, that think we should be inducted individually. I, I don't think we should because the game was in constant transition. How do, how do you uh, compare? Sophie Curies, who stole over 200 bases one year with underhand pitching, and she was able to take a lead, and the base paths were probably 55 feet. You can't compare that with somebody that had 85-foot base paths and overhand pitching. There's no comparison. So I don't think any individuals should ever be inducted. I, I think to be recognized by the Hall of Fame, there is no greater honor than that, and we should every player should feel very honored that, that we've been not we were not inducted. We were recognized. Right. I mean, what more could you want than to be recognized by the National Baseball Hall of Fame? And again, I just I hope because they keep pressing, 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 trying to get individuals. They said they said, <laughs> "Now I never made the all star team
1: because. How come? Why do you think that was?
3: I I think it's because there were three outfielders that had a higher batting average than I had. Okay. And so is that what an outfielder is? A hitter? I, I thought you I thought making the All Star team should be defense as well as offense. And one year I think it was fifty one or two. I only had two errors. I still didn't make the All-Star team, but I was the best-stealing outfielder in the league. I don't get it. And I batted 275 two years in a row and stole, I think one year I stole 25 or 30 bases or something, uh, one of those years or both of those years or something, it was Max Carey. And uh, I still never made the All-Star team. Because, and, and one of the girls that made it, this is their argument for the Hall of Fame inductions, they, they want the players that made the, uh, made the all-star team to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, one girl in particular only made it once. Anybody can have a hot year, Right. And, and you can be a lousy ball player. Why would that qualify you to be in the Hall of Fame? I don't get it. So I just think the, the way they're going at it, and that's, that's our association. They're the ones that decided the all stars should be chosen first. Well, I can see some of them because they have, they were great ball players, but some of them they weren't worth a hell of beans.
1: <laughs> Did you do you have any of your memorabilia uh, in the Hall of Fame? Do you have a, go- a glove or a uniform or uh, no, a bat?
3: But I have a fungo bat uh, that Max Carey and Jimmy Fox both used.
1: Guys, she's hold, she's holding up the bat. I'm so jealous.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this bat, it's got to be I, don't, I when I got it, it was cracked. So I took I used it for over 40 years hitting infield playing softball when I was coaching and playing. And cuz I played till I was 62 till the movie came out and and I had never played softball ever. But anyway, uh, uh, that bat, I think they would accept, but they've got so much stuff. You know, they really, and I don't have anything, in any more that other than that. Bad, I think they would take that back, and uh, hopefully someday that's where it'll go. But not yet. Well,
1: you you ended up uh, after playing, you went to college and became a teacher, grade school teacher, in North Kingston. Did you share your story of of your? Uh... Baseball career with your students, and were, were you were you were you a a, a, a celebrity in your school?
3: I uh, no. Uh, <laughs> well, the first thing was you couldn't make anybody understand it was hardball, not softball. So you had to go through all the ritual that rigmarole to get them to understand, and even then they didn't understand. So, and as a matter of fact, uh, one of the custodians at my school when I was teaching fifth grade at Whitford Elementary, I used to play baseball against him. And then he, then later he played for my father's team. So I played on the same team with him. But in high school, I played against him. So uh, so some, some of the people kind of knew that I played pro ball, but I didn't talk about it because it, it, it was too much work to try to explain everything. Uh, so I just hardly ever taught and when the move when it was time for the movie and I was going out uh, i I had some uh, i in all the while i taught i taught twenty three years and uh, when i was when the movie was coming out uh, I was gonna go to cooperstown to to be in the movie or or whatever and uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. That's a senior.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're 92 years old. You you, you get a
0: free pass.
3: <laughs> but, but anyway. Uh, with your kids, you share these. What? With your students. They...
1: Yeah, and then you, we we're talking about sharing your career with your students. And then the movie came out and then you were going to Cooperstown.
3: Yeah. Well, the,
1: Wilma don't worry I'll take the I'll edit this out okay
3: yeah
1: so let let uh, let me just we'll we'll wrap it up okay I'm speaking with Wilma Briggs Wilma Briggs played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 to 1954 when the league ended she ended up Uh, She is from Rhode Island. She ended up being a teacher for over 20 years in North Kingston, and she she has so many awards. She was on the AAGBL Board of Directors. She is in the East Greenwich Athletic Hall of Fame. She is the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame. She is first recipient of the Game of Legends Award. She is second all-time in the home run list, for the girls All-American Girls Baseball League she as uh, one of 14 people to have 300 or more RBIs she had an outstanding career. She led, uh, as I said, she led the league in home runs in 1953. She's only five foot four on her playing days, and she batted left handed. And boy, guys, she could run. She was a heck of a player, and it was a thrill to talk to her about her career, learn about her playing days. And really, uh, it, it was an honor to, to meet you, uh, Ms. Briggs. Thank you very much. Well,
3: thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: All right. You'd be good. Thank you. Happy birthday.
3: Thank you. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <laughs> and to many more. I hope. <laughs> Do any of you list your cards for sale on eBay? I've recently signed up with the software by the name of Card Dealer Pro. They take pictures of your sports and trading cards and use artificial intelligence to write the title, description, and upload to eBay. Now I've gone from the ability to list 10 to 20 cards to 200 to 300 plus with the help of CardDealerPro. Go to www.carddealerpro.com to try their software completely free for 7 days and get 500 bonus scans by using the promo code TTM500 during sign up. Once again, that's TTM500. Use it at sign up and get 500 additional bonus scans at www.carddealerpro to list your cards with AI today. Well, Drew, it was nice to reminisce and go back and hear Wilma. She she was um, very competitive. She was a, a a real you know you you could tell she loved baseball and loves her time in in professional baseball. And she had she had uh she was a teacher and and she coached kids and uh, she was just a really nice lady. So I hope that you enjoyed my interview with Wilma, uh, Drew. This Saturday we're gonna have Les. We'll have Les Wolf back just talking hobby, what's going on, and uh, as we do, what do we do? We just serve up and we just say Les what and he goes, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Tossed up, and he'll knock this one out of the park, chase it down, and probably knock it into another park after that.
1: We'll have less. We also have, I just mentioned, we'll have uh, Reed Larson, who played for the Bruins and North Stars and Red Wings, and uh, he actually played one game with the Buffalo Sabres, so one game one game with the Buffalo Sabres, Um, and he is, I think he is the first American defenseman to score over 200 goals in his career. He's not in the Hall of
2: Fame, Drew. Can Can you imagine that? That's a surprise. But I mean, looking through, I've got his stats up on here because I remember you had mentioned that last week there and yeah, he had what? One, two, three, four, five consecutive goal seasons of 20 or more goals. But I think the problem was he got stuck on like those 1980s Detroit Red Wings teams that were just completely ignored and forgotten until Steve Eiserman got there. And when Iserman got there, he lasted a couple of years before he was gone and bounced around a few teams at the end there. Yeah. I mean, he made, he
1: made the Stanley Cup finals with the Bruins, I believe in 88. If I if yep. I'm correct, he was a three time All Star and uh, what a what a player and he's famous for his, his the, having one of the hardest shots in, uh, in the NHL when he played. Uh, Reed Larson on Saturday, which is I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm conducting that interview later this afternoon, so I don't even know what the what, what the interview is going to be, but I promise it'll be a good one. All right, nice. All right, Sounds but good.
2: Any anything else you uh, you want to talk about before I let you go? No, I think we got everything pretty well covered there. I uh, got a couple TTM's in that I'll talk more about on Saturday. All right, guys, I
1: wish everyone many happy returns. We will see you on Saturday. Be good. Stay safe.